You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. I'm on size nothing and back to Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Free Speech, where the Soviet Union has dictated what words we can and cannot say, and we will discuss the freedom within those parameters. My guest is Michael Malice, who wrote a wonderful book about a comrade Kim Jong-il. Um, we're, we're here at Free Speech, Stand Up New York Labs, blah, blah, blah. Michael, you wrote this a year ago. Yeah. I think we're at the law of diminishing returns here where it just annoys people when you hold it up. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. You well, can't, like, what do you have against annoying people? You have all people. <laughs> I'm Gavin McInnes. I don't want to annoy anybody. <laughs> well, you're annoying me. This book's done, okay? It's it's off the shelves. <laughs> it's off the shelves. It's, it's outdated. you got to put out a book. Have you seen Ann Coulter? She puts out a book a week. Well, it's not as good as my book. Really? Yeah. Whoa. You know what I've noticed about you? What? You look at people like they have a penis drawn on their face. <laughs> what is that? And they mean? don't know. You look at people like this. <laughs> oh my God. I don't. I always feel, every time I talk to you, I feel like just leaning over and looking in a mirror and seeing if I have something on me. Like, do I have a booger hanging out of my nose? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I can't, I can't. Closer on the mic. Okay. Thank you. I'm nearsighted. Well, you're so giddy. I guess it's because I am giddy. I'll tell you, you why. I'm you giddy. came from the worst country in the world. No, I'm giddy because, and I'm going to get earnest with you. And uh, earnest you talk. It. Welcome back to Free Speech, where we get earnest. <laughs> We're about getting being giddy er- because I came out of the whole internet scene just like you did in like the mid 2000s, right? And I remember vividly when Sophie Can Walk came out, and I talked to, to you about this when we met, how I loved that video. And it was also really cool because I knew where you were, like in New World B-roll, you're at the corner of you know, that lamppost in Metropolitan at Bedford and Grand, you're at Beth Israel. So I remember 2008 so well, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. YouTube was just not that old at that point. So to be here, it's just really kind of fun for me. Oh, I see. So you're giddy because you're meeting your, your, your hero. Yeah, retroactive validation. Wow. Uh, we were talking. Here is uh, a big word, though. The previous episode, we were talking to a woman who uh, put up a sticker that said, uh, "From one white person to another, it's up to us to end white supremacy." Yeah. And I noticed uh, I forgot to mention this to her, but uh, "its" did not have an apostrophe. Well, <laughs> she's tr- well, you know, North Korea. What's funny about that is that every country's racist. North Korea is the most racist country in well, the world. Well, she's her contention was that that is white people's fault. You see, black people grow up in a racist country, so they're brainwashed into being racist. So if they hate Chinese people, for example, uh, that's white people have said, we hate blacks, so you guys should hate some people too. Right. Well, I mean, you and I are both immigrants, so we know that's not really how it works. Yeah. Uh, Well, hate is a beautiful, wonderful emotion, and Ontarians hate Quebecers. Everyone, I was at a dinner party in Brooklyn, and it turned out everyone at the table was an immigrant from a different place. So I said, I want you to go around the table and say who your people hate and why. And one girl was like, well, we don't hate anyone. I'm like, okay, who do you live next door to? And she goes, oh, we don't hate them. We just think they're dumb. (laughs) And the people from Turkey will tell you that the people who live on the Black Sea part of Turkey are all stupid. And that they have a flat nose because they put their baby's face down the crib. And they will insist this is not a stereotype. This is true. And you'll have jokes about black sea people, why I got to be black, in the Turkish newspapers. So every country, we would never, we don't even know what the black sea is. Well, this was what drives me nuts about multiculturalism. Because these lefties pretend they care about other cultures, but they don't know anything about them. Like, Like, they don't even know that Turkey 
murdered 1.5 million Christians, right. Armenians, right. and they have billboards up in Times Square right now denying it. Yes. Holocaust deniers. Yes. And people see that billboard, they don't know what it's about. They don't know about Turkey. They don't know about that their idiotic dictatorship and how they're trying to get into the EU. <laughs> And it's because they don't really care. They just like being the multicultural person. Well, they don't even like multiculturalism because I think a lot of progressivism is internalized colonialism. They don't like the Midwest and the South, that culture, right? right so yeah. we have to wipe that out at all costs. So it's a certain kind of multiculturalism that they believe in, but it's not even multi at all. It's mono, yeah. Like yes. Dan Savage after, uh, I forget when it was when Congress uh, took over, when Republicans took over Congress, but he said, look, we know who voted for these people. It was the Midwest. So let's just keep the coastals towns, LA and New York, and Berkeley and everyone along the coast and the middle can go fuck itself. Well, America's <laughs> been two cultures since the very beginning. And there's yeah. been no, the only reason it stuck together was because, you know, you had basically, bring, instead of bringing democracy to Iraq, they tried to bring liberal democracy to the South. And it didn't go great. It didn't stick. How many people died in that war? I mean, I mean, not only the dying, the raping and the, the pillaging of, of Sherman's march on Georgia. And at the same time, those the slaves, when they were liberated, it's not like it was, you know, red carpets for them. I mean, these people were horribly oppressed for a good 100 years plus. Well, Clive and Bundy dared to wonder if it wasn't better during slavery and... Well, I, I think that's, his that's, vocation. that's kind of, I, I wouldn't, I think that's, that's kind of absurd, but I mean, the idea that you can just kind of conquer another nation and everything's going to be great is, is really dubious as we're seeing in Iraq. Yeah. Cause we're all different. Sure. And Southerners just seem better sometimes. Better? Yeah. Oh, are you one of these Upper West Side snobs? Upper West Side. I'm from Brooklyn, Upper West Side. Upper I'm a West Brooklyn side. snob. Get the fuck out of here with you, Upper West Side. Thank you. You don't like rednecks? Uh, I, they don't like me. So? So? <laughs> I, love, I like tons of people who don't like me. Uh, I don't. Rednecks don't hate Jews. They don't know what to make of them. And here's, like, they don't know what to make. Like, look, I have, red, I have red socks, right? I have I, I, and orange socks. And when I was in the Midwest, you know, one of these guys says, why do you have orange socks? And I never thought, it was pumpkin. It's not like they were neon. And I never thought of it. And the answer is like, look, socks come in four colors, black, white, gray, red if you're queer. Orange, we don't know what to do with this. So I think there's this. Where the fuck is this analogy going? The point is people from, they don't know what to make of a New Yorker. It's not a hate thing. It's just like, you're weird. And I, I don't know how to port you to my understanding of how things yeah, should be. Yeah, I noticed that in when I lived in Montreal, everyone shops at secondhand stores, and this was pre-grunge. So you'd have on like a, an old lady's sweater, and Macklemore's song is about this. And you'd just be dressed like a lunatic, and then we would do road trips to the States, and people outside of New York thought we were uh, mentally ill gay. Yeah, yeah. They thought we were trannies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you don't, uh, you don't admire them. Uh, whenever, I don't whenever I complain about the Northeast, like the war on boys, or the safety generation and how kids can't have fun anymore. I'm always reminded of the South where right now there's a kid skipping school on a dirt bike, a motorbike, with a 22 on his back shooting rabbits. Great. And he's 10. But here's the thing. I love the Midwest. I've got an adoptive family in the Midwest. I wrote a book for the Ultimate Fighting Champion, and we got very close. But I think the Midwest and the South are very different situations. Uh, and I feel very comfortable there, but I do not feel comfortable in the South. I think there's this chip-on-the-shoulder attitude there. Uh, I can't really say I blame them, but there's just some subtext in the phoniness, which I don't appreciate. What? Yeah, you heard me. Wow. You just blew my mind. That's because you have a penis on your head. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I go to the South, I'm drowned in sincerity. Because, well, I, I mean, for I don't think that's true. I think this whole bless your heart and this kind of 
this vapid smiling is very insincere, and I don't cotton to it. Wow. Yeah. I strongly disagree. Okay. I find that, well, they like you more if you go to church, and if you're visiting a small town, uh, they'll take you sort of this seriously, but then if they see you at church on Sunday, then it's like, all right, this guy's real deal. But, I mean, everyone has their, their ways to sort of, uh, uh, what's the word, vet? But they, I'm pretty newcomers. smarmy, and they don't like that at all. Yeah, maybe. Maybe you're just annoying. Yeah. Do Northerners like you? Yeah. I'm, What's your story? I'm now? the you pride said, of America. You said you had adoptive parents. Or were you a Russian Not orphan? Not an adoptive family. I mean, like, when I wrote this book for this UFC champ, Matt Hughes, like, I got really, really close with his family, and, and I still am. You and can't bandy around the term adoptive family. Why? She's, like, the mom says, I'm like your mom. No, no. That's a big word. Well, in America... Well, how long were you there for? Eight months? I mean, no, I still see them all the time. We still yeah, talk about Yeah, they're called friends, Mike. Okay, I, I don't use that word, friends, because I think friend is a very bad word, and here's You're why. Crazy. I'm not crazy. I'll tell you why friend's a bad word. A friend is someone who you say hi to in the office. That's my office friend. And a friend is someone you call when your mom dies. And to have one word for these two concepts is, is absurd. I think. No, I don't call people at work friends. If I don't, here's of a friend. Of course, because you're Gavin and no one likes you and they work with you. <laughs> of course you don't have friends at work. Shocker. <laughs> Hold on. Just, this just in. No, that's not true. In fact, the guy I started Rooster with, the guy I'm starting new shit with now, I'm the godfather to his, one of his girls. He's a godfather to one of my boys. Um, that's not family if your godfather is kid. He's a friend. But then the other guy at work, I don't know him. I would never invite him for a beer. He's not my friend. A friend is someone where if I were to pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm going to go buy pants. You want to come? Now, th- now that I have kids, this is different. But if you don't have kids and, y- yeah, and you're single, I think that's a good definition. and if that person, if that person goes, yeah, I'll come with you to get pants. Yeah, I that's agree. That's a friend. Yeah, I agree. And when you're writing, writing your wedding invitations, only those people should be on the list. I think if, that's great. if that person was to, was to go, <laughs> what pants? Fuck you. Or why are you calling me? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't make sense. I agree, but go. people use that term very broadly. Well, don't banish the term. I'm banishing the term because people get confused. There's a lot of terms people use that they shouldn't. So what am I? You're a colleague? You? Yeah. I, uh, I thought you said hero, Gavin. Okay, a hero. <laughs> You're going to have so many words for the people you associate with. It's allies, associates, and acquaintances. That's your three? Yeah. <laughs> you are nuts. Why? It's useful for thought. Can we put the AC on? I'm dying of AIDS here. <laughs> This is getting so it's heated. I'm learning, I'm learning a new language, <laughs> Mike Malice English. Uh, okay, so Mike Malice does not like the word friend. He thinks it's cheap. I, I think it's, yeah, deceptive. It's like amour in French. No, je t'aime can mean I, I love you, you or I like you. I yeah. want to fuck you or I just want to get a beer with you. Yeah, or shalom. Yeah, shalom is the same. Doesn't that <laughs> shalom just mean hi? Hi, bye, or peace. Let's, let's... Uh, a lot of people might not know you and not, and they might be thinking, who is this fucking lunatic who changes words around and comes up with replacements for words that don't need replaced? What's your story? You're born in Russia. I was born in the Soviet Union, yeah. As a Jew. As a Jew. Uh, we came here when I was two to Brooklyn. I, my understanding is the only way you could get out of the Soviet Union was to be a very corrupt, murderer, horrible person. No, you can uh, bribe the government with everything you have. So how much do you have in a communist country? A uh, thousand bucks? Yeah, but if that person who's taking the bribes could use that thousand bucks. So that's what happened. Yeah. How it, much was it? I don't know. My parents, obviously, I, I was two years old. My parents just, you know, paid it. Um, you didn't think to ask? I mean, no, I, honestly. I it mean, might be 50 grand. It, there's no way it was 50 grand because, I, I mean, I know what they came over with and what they had. Like, my, da- my grandpa was pretty high up. He was like an air traffic controller. Um, so they came over here. I mean, the thing is you say you're going on a trip 
and you just never come back is is the pretense. Um, and I think you have to be sp- like I wouldn't have been able to escape. If I wasn't Jewish. There's there's like this whole program where like you fost- you sponsor Jewish families, uh, and then you, you come here. Oh, so American Jews contribute to this? Yeah, I see. We look after our own. And is uh, Russia's pretty anti-Semitic? Violently, like that Borat stuff's really true. Right. Yeah. Uh, so when people are complaining about America stuff and and this hatred, I'm just like, you're out of your minds. Like I mean, it, I I do not. I mean, it's it's there, but to say that this is an aberration, you know, my sister went to Ukraine in the last 10 years or so, and there's a restaurant there called Jew Style, where you're encouraged to haggle over the price. Uh, <laughs> I think it's funny, but at the same time, you know, think of what it's like, you know, growing up in this town. David Duke got his master's in Ukraine in the last 15 years. Oh, so right. These, it, there's a lot of, it's, it's just a given that you're going to be hated and, and regarded as a just a piece of crap. Look, I worked with D.L. Hughley in his first book. We're doing a second one. And, and the thing me and him bonded over is... Wait, you said that too fast. Who? D.L. Hughley, the comedian. Right. Uh, no matter where you go on earth, people are going to know to hate blacks and Jews. They hated me in North Korea. Like, my guide, when I told her I was Jewish, she just looked at me scared. Like, because I guess because I didn't have the beard and I wasn't rubbing my hands <laughs> with a dollar bag of money. Uh, but I... That's the norm. And I think a lot of this, like, fighting racism and anti-Semitism is a dead end because a lot of it's going to be inevitable. Well, maybe it's natural. I mean, they've done studies that show that babies are racist. Uh, against whom? Blacks. How? They babies don't white babies. Are they saying don't the like, N word? Their first word's the N word. <laughs> <laughs> no, babies don't shop at black-owned businesses. <laughs> That's no. Newsweek had a cover story about it. They they were doing tests and they were noticing an aversion from white babies to black people. I mean, wow. we all know we're naturally predisposed to like people who look like us first, our immediate family, then, you know, our immediate culture, countrymen, and it goes out from there. I, I don't know that that's, it's, I don't think it goes by looks necessarily. I think a lot of times it ports much more to intellect and ideology. Eventually when you get older, but yeah. if we're talking natural instincts, then it starts with, you know, babies want to be around people that look like them. It reminds them of mommy. I, I, I guess. I mean, I can't really the speak. The cover it. story in Newsweek, Mike. Oh, so now you're a fan of the liberal Well, you want to argue with them? <laughs> you could argue with Eleanor Clinton. This is what I always do. I, can't, I find an outrageous theory that someone else said <laughs> that did all the fucking work and researched it and has all the paperwork. And then I just subsume it. So then when they get mad at me, I go, oh, Newsweek is an idiot, is it? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, like I'd have a problem saying Newsweek's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's No, that they... Well, they weren't ridiculed for this story, and it, it became pretty common. It was about uh, uh, 2010 this came out. But, I mean, I don't know that that, what relevance that necessarily has, because I'm sure babies have a gender preference also. It doesn't mean that men or women are, you know, in, are inherently better based on that baby's appraisal. It's like when people have their dogs, and these dumb women are like, oh, if my dog barks at a guy, I know he's bad news. No, idiot. It's just that your dog doesn't like his cologne. <laughs> right, it's yeah. not he's a thief. Uh, women are so stupid when it comes to dogs. <laughs> I want to just telegram them all and say, you know, that's not a child, right? <laughs> like they walk down the street going, I don't need kids. I'm not a slave. I'm not a, I, I don't have any maternal instincts. I'm woman. Hear me roar. Then they come home and they go, mommy's home. My baby's two dogs. Right, right, right. Yeah. But you don't have They a- get mad when you call it a dog. I notice when I'm walking with my kids and I see a spinster with her dogs, I'll go, hey, look, there's a doggy. And you can see her sort of go, it's Mr. <laughs> Chuckles. <laughs> Not a dog. You're, you're, He's you're, a dog. Your spinster voice is the same as your middle-aged gay man voice. I think. Yeah, it's the exact. Same they have thing. the exact same personality. <laughs> I don't know why they hate each other so <laughs> That's much. Possibly true. Actually, that they they have the same because they have to hang out with each other because there's no one left. No one left. Yeah. yeah. Young gays don't want to hang out with old gays. Right. What happens to old gays' money when they die? Don't they get the young rent boy? 
So some young guy that just sucked an old dick gets a million dollars and well, an estate. In well, look Hudson? at Anna Nicole. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I just, I'm just, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just seems kind of like a faulty system. It's like the Greek system. You passing on, right? Pass on the for the wealth. Where do you want it to go, GMHC? So young boys fuck old dudes. Yeah. This is my. I don't mean they're going to get rich. This is my understanding. Yeah. Just like young women fuck old dudes, knowing they're going to get rich. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, the, but there was the, an article about when, this in when New York. When young do it, the old dude is going to give his money to his kids. I mean, with uh, with what's his name, uh, Thurmond Redmond Summer, Summer Redstone, Summer Sumner. What the yeah. fuck's his name? He's got the weirdest name it's, in the it's world. Like Sumner Redstone. Sumner Redstone. And he's not Native American. No, <laughs> he uh, he's got those two girlfriends that are getting it all. But they're lucky that he has a shitty relationship with his kids, or the money would go there. And the the his fortune still might go to the daughter. With gays, you don't have that. They don't have kids, and all their relatives are dead. But there's, there, was, there was an article about this. I think it was New York Magazine about how, like, the kept boys of the Hamptons and how David Geffen cycles through them and, like, 18 to 21 is the sweet spot. Oh, my so, God. Like, Imagine the sociology of this stuff. you're sucking this 70-year-old, gross, withered, gray cock <laughs> oh, I don't want to. every day. You're fucking his weird, flabby, flat ass and watching it move like a deflated balloon. Oh, and then about a month before he dies, he dumps you. And then he gets a new little Asian rent boy, and that guy gets the fucking estate. He, he rolls the dice, he takes your chances. Jesus Christ, that would suck. Yeah, that's why you gotta hide his meds. It's like that, I always ask people how much they'd have to be paid to be raped by a homeless man. And imagine, oh. like, you say 10 million, and I offer you 9 million, <laughs> and you say no, and you walk outside and then get raped by a homeless man. For free. It's like, this is like the worst version of Fantasy Island I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Well, here's the problem with that scenario. <laughs> Tattoo? We're wandering all over the place. I like to stick to one subject, and okay. I was hoping we would conquer Judaism. Okay. Not, not end it. To be clear. Good luck with that. Media matters. Good luck with yeah, that. that. We're not going anywhere. Uh, maybe we will get back to the juice, but let's just take a second to discuss homeless sex. Um, <laughs> say it's 10 million bucks, which I feel like is my number. Really? That's crazy. I would do it for much longer. It's like half an hour at most. Yeah, but the trauma is there forever. Not when you make... No, man. Really? Because, yeah. okay, here, how about this? Say it's, it's also good... I'm also a writer, so I like a good anecdote. It would be a good story. It would be a great story. Three, you, it's, say you go down to three million, and you get a fucking beautiful home for three million if you leave the city, right? Yeah. So you got an indoor pool. You're swimming. Your friend's over. Maybe a cousin from Russia you have not seen in a long time. And he's like, Michael, America, this house is so beautiful. Is this from your book, Dear Reader, that you make the money? And you're like, ah, well, there's no sense in talking about how I, I did okay for myself. I, and it's like the house that rape built. No, you're wrong. You're crazy. I would have a plaque so that anyone who walks into the house has to read while I got this it. This so estate is from yes. a homeless man fucking me in my ass. And let, right, come on in. Let them be uncomfortable. I'm a troll. Mommy, I enjoy what does that. that sign say? Why would I have children at my house? Doesn't make Because your friend, I, I have kids. You would invite me around. I'd I bring thought the we kids. weren't friends. Remember your hero? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I come to my fans' homes. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rubens did that once. Did he really? Yeah. So, so he just thought, I'm going to start saying yes to everything. So some total hillbilly came up to him after a show. I guess he was the janitor or something. He's like, golly, we'd love to have you come by the house sometime. And... Paul Rubens goes, okay. Okay. Ha! And then he went down to their house and talked about chronically famous peewees rat history. And the family had already eaten when he got there. So he was sitting at a long table, and they're all just staring at him while he eats. And they've served him a long meal, and they're looking at him. And he's sort of chewing and going, 
So uh, what's going on? No one talked. And then towards the end of the meal, the guy goes, my God, it's like we're sitting here with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else did something similar? Thomas Jefferson, who's the worst. Really? He, you don't like TJ? I'm a, Alexander Hamilton is the greatest person who ever lived, easily. Um, Thomas Jefferson felt the need to respond to literally ever, every letter he received as president. Oh, jeez. Because every person matters, right? What a pain in the ass. Yeah. Awful. I think Andrew WK does that, too. <laughs> He'll just Sunday go through 1,000. Because I'll get an email back from him nine months later. Like it's a baby. <laughs> And he'll go, yes, I have put your email through to the people at Santos. I think it'll go well. I'm like, dude, that party happened four months ago. <laughs> but thanks for the response. And I'm glad fucking Eddie Lemieux over, over in Putin, France, uh, got a thank you for saying you're awesome. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay, let's tackle Judaism. Okay. So I think one thing I hear about the, from the anti-Semites is that Jews started political correctness because they wanted to, st you hear about, Buchanan talks about oh, this, the sense. Frankfurt School and Marx and Freud, and their thing was, let's dismantle, put a wrench in the works so we don't have another Nazi party. The idea that heresy is something new to our contemporary world is demented. People were being, Jesus was politically incorrect and he was killed for That's it. That's a great point. So the idea that, first of all, if there's any intellectual movement, the Jews are going to be behind it. They're behind libertarianism, they're behind neoconservatism, we're behind liberalism, we're behind everything. Uh, so, so of course you're going to have some you know, Jewish influence because we work hard and we're intellectual. But the idea that political correctness is a recent phenomenon is absolutely uh, demented and has no, you know, it Well, what about no Buchanan sense. talking about the Frankfurt School saying, uh, they, they noticed the Marxist dialectic wasn't working with the working man because the working man said, fuck you, I, I want to get rich. And they didn't enjoy their role. They should have gone to Britain, by the way. The working class loved being working right. class there. So they said, let's shift our focus to the Frankfurt School. And one of their tactics was, if someone becomes an annoying opponent, call them racist and repeat it over and over again, and it'll become true in the public eye. And when you look around today... It seems like that's what PC liberalism is all about. Taking down, like that guest I had the other night, we have to f battle white supremacy, white maleness, white maleness. It's all about destroying white males. No, it's all about using whatever tool is handy to further your control over society. So it does, I mean, the, the tool is going to change. It used to be the, the, the left was for the working man, right, in the 30s, and you'd be for union, and if anyone speaks out against union, you're these fat cat millionaires, and that's the heresy. And now it's going to be against, you know, you know, you know white males or whatever might be the case, or, or homophobes, these, you know, homophobes or uh, Islamophobes. Yeah, but they don't mind black homophobes. They like, it's only because white it's male not, homophobes. Because it's not, again, like I'm saying, it's just a tool to further your control of, of the conversation, but this is not unique, you know, to modern. Oh my God, and you're a Jew and you're controlling in the conversation right now. Yeah, that's because I'm good at it, because you have a dick on your face. <laughs> I mean, come on. So I, I think the idea, we were talking about earlier, the idea that Americans think we're the most racist country on the earth, the idea that Americans think political correctness is unique to America is absurd. Maybe it's unique in its form, but it's certainly not unique as a social practice. Every culture has the use of taboo and heresy. That's North Korea has it too. There's a book by Arthur Herman, the guy who did How the Scots Invented the Modern World, but he did another book called The Idea of Decline in Western Civilization. And he goes back hundreds and hundreds of years and finds people saying, this is the worst we've ever been. It's, we're going down the toilet. This is the end. Our culture must self-destruct. We suck. We're racist, homo well, they wouldn't say racist, homophobe, but we're vile human beings. 
again and again and again. But you see it more with white people than with other people. Because it's a secular religion, I mean, in, especially in, in urban areas. So this is very much the same kind of beating yourself with nettles and, and genuflecting and, and, you know, atoning for your sins that you've seen in Christianity for centuries. Well, there's that professor, Paul Gottfried, very controversial dude. I Again, I'm doing the Newsweek thing. I said to him, is it possible that white people just genuinely hate themselves and it's genetic? And we, we always like to self-flagellate. And he goes, no, it started with the Nazis and it's fear of repeating Nazis. It hasn't really started with the Nazis. I mean, you had the abolitionists, you know, had this kind of thing. And you've, you've had uh, uh, at the very beginning, the founding fathers, this idea that, you know, this noblesse oblige, if you're wealthy, you owe it to the poor people to kind of uh, be a good leader. So I, I think there's a lot of this is not particularly new. Interesting. I think just it's new in that it, it's everyone has social media. So we hear it more often. Look, it, 20 years ago when people were stupid, they weren't we couldn't hear them. And now when they're stupid, we can't help but hear them on our Facebook wall. So I think but, true. But fascism used to be cool in the 30s. Mussolini was a rock star in, in America. They say, you know, that you're the top. You're the Coliseum. Yeah, there's a great book that called, used to be Mussolini. There's a great book called F Fascism and Mussolini, The View from America. And they very much viewed Mussolini as is 1930s, right? The Great Depression. Capitalism is completely discredited. We're not going to go in the Soviet model. What's plan C? And the fact that he had this middle ground was regarded as like this amazing thing. And he's probably, I think, the most underrated political theorist of the 20th century because people hate him because with good reason because of his best friend. Uh, but if you look at all the stuff he did before that, so much of that carries over in contemporary American politics. Well, both Obama is and a Democrats. fascist. I mean, if you if you look at the dictionary definition of fascism, it's not what you think. It doesn't say kill Jews and be racist. It says it certainly doesn't mean bring in immigrants. No, it doesn't. But it, it says it seems like it's mostly an economic model. And that model no, is not. choose a few monopolies, a few groups to run monopolies, and then let that free market continue after you've chosen the leaders. And that's what Obama's doing. If, sure, corporatism is part of it. But there's also, you know, uh, North Korea is very much a fascist state. I have the line in the book that uh, I have Kim Jong-il joke that the dear leader has nothing in common with the Fuhrer. But it's identical. Uh, you have xenophobia. Uh, you have perpetual fear of the populace. You have hatred of industry and commerce and regarding it as somehow tainted. But doesn't pure fascism encourage commerce? No. I mean, it, 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 it encourages production, but the idea that, like, uh, uh, tr Wall Street traders, like, they're not producing anything, so they're villains who are speculators and thieves. But a true fascist would find a Wall Street owner and say, okay, uh, GE, you're running Wall Street now. And that's precisely that's what, how, right, that's that's how what Obama works. did. He hired people out of Goldman Sachs to run the... Yeah, but I, I don't think Obama's a big xenophobe. I don't think Obama's a big nationalist at all. I think he hates American power, and fascists very much hate, want their country to be as strong as possible, and that's not his agenda on an international scale at all. Okay, well, let's drop the Obama fascist thing. Mm -hmm. uh, when I talked to Paul Gottfried and I said, is this an inerrant, inherent trait with white people where they just hate themselves? And he goes, he, oh, I already said this, didn't I? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Take I'm, two. I'm on a loop. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, Are you unstuck in time? Let's just assume it is an accepted uh, belief. Just play hypothetical with me here. I, 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 got, I just got to say one thing. I think you're giving too much credit in saying people have ideas that are inherent because most people aren't thinking beings. I think they're closer to the animal uh, than they are to the rational. So I think... Well, I talked to Paul Gottfried about this. I asked him a question once. Uh, oh, no. Did I already mention that? <laughs> it's just quantum leap. I, no, I think, I think your religion is genetic. I, I think having being religious is is a form of you know pre-rational thought. You're born curious, or you're born wanting answers. You're born with uh, a reverence for the ethereal. 
uh, it's not saying you're born as a Christian, but I think atheists and believers are born that way. I don't think that's true at all. Look at identical twins separated at birth. Yeah. Same dog. Sure. Same vocation. Similar salary. No matter how they grew up, rich or poor. Sure. Similar looking husbands. Sure. Almost every detail about our lives is carved in stone at birth. It's not carved in stone, though. And again, the whole point, if, if something is carved in stone, you could still chip away at it, right? If you have the But right. why bother? That's, I think the definition of happiness is to find that stone and mimic it. I, I don't know what that means in this metaphor. That means, like, every time I try to be an intellectual, I flounder because I don't have the IQ. Like, right then, I can't remember who Obama hired, and I can't remember if it was Goldman Sachs or Alliance Bernstein, and I can't remember what he hired him to do. If you're going to be like Sean Hannity or Rush Limbaugh or even Rachel Maddow, you have to have a sticky brain. And to try to be them, if you're not, is a waste of life. Unless you're them. Uh, I think that's correct. But, I mean, I don't just because you don't think you have what it takes to be an intellectual, which I would disagree with, but that doesn't mean that that's not your... I mean, your path to happiness is, I guess, being true to yourself and your natural talents. Yeah, right. I agree with that, of course. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is all a very long way to say, let's pretend for fun yeah. that the impetus for political correctness was Russian Jews uh, coming over here and wanting to sabotage any future um, Nazi party. When did this happen? So you're saying there wasn't political correctness before World War II when Woodrow Wilson is locking up Eugene V. Debs for f opposing World War I? See what I mean? What? I don't have the intellect to do this. No, I, I, okay, so... Uh, when, when people are in strike against Carnegie and, and you think there wasn't political correctness then? But was it all directed at the white male patriarchy at pre-1945? They didn't use the word patriarchy, but it was certainly the robber barons. You don't think robber baron and white male patriarchy are very synonymous? Yes, but it's drifted into the culture now. That used to just be against the rich, right, and it just of, came out of jealousy, probably. But the now problem is the it's directed to everything. I mean, this is a sexist podcast because we only have men in the room. The problem is the increased democratization of America and the idea that everyone has to have an opinion about everything. Uh, and that's the big mistake. So it's not the problem of political correctness. is that people are not allowed to say, I don't know and I don't care. And that's regarded as a flaw. And more people should say that because they don't know and they shouldn't care. You're rejecting my theory because you're Jewish and Jews don't sound great. But if you would listen Jews to always the sound very great end, awesome. if you listen to the very end, you win at the end. Of course we win at the end. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The, <laughs> the reason that it's irrelevant now who started it is... Jews are some of the biggest victims of political correctness, and nowhere is this mm -hmm. more evident than France. college campuses. And France, yeah. France, too. But I'm talking about, the, you think of the hub of political correctness. It's college campuses today. Yes. And that's where the future of America is, unfortunately. These people are fucking insane. They're telling... When I was there, it was okay to have an abortion up until a year after the baby was born. That's what a professor told me. And now they're getting taught even crazier stuff. They just had a guy, Ignatiev, at Massachusetts College of Art, tell white men they should kill themselves. Mm -hmm. So when these white males happen to be Israeli and they go to a college, the, the narrative is anyone brown is better. So Palestinians trump Israel. And these guys will get fucking chased out. I mean, Israel is apartheid on college. That's just a given. There's no, there's even the Israelis, they just have to be quiet mm -hmm. because to say that Israel is not apartheid on a college campus is like saying blacks should be 
lined up and killed. But I think what you mistake you're making, and this maybe this comes from my Soviet heritage, is just because people are smiling and nodding doesn't mean they're actually agreeing. So you're going to have those people who you know, who have the microphone and they're posturing and they want to be loudmouths and everyone smiles and nods. And then in 2014, you get the biggest Republican majority since 1928. So I, I don't think it's always as obvious as what's vocal is what's being representative of how people think. Yeah, but the end result is it's effective. So I agree with you that it's a shrill minority causing all this commotion. But they're a very effective shrill minority. They're not effective because I'll tell you exactly why. It used to be the case that if you were a heretic— Some Good news from Mike Malice yeah, on the show. Yeah, things are getting better and better. It used to be the case that if you were a heretic, you and your family are going to be killed and everyone's going to applaud. Oh, you got to go back to the fucking to go back 1700s to, to make us look good? Not really. I mean, just uh, William Lloyd Garrison, the abolitionist, was almost lynched in Boston for advocating abolition. So this is not that long ago and it's not that far away, especially— given the context of human history. Uh, in the last 10 years, it's become, it, 20 years ago, you had three networks, and if you wanted to have a, a perspective that's a little bit outside the mainstream, you're effectively censored, because if you're not getting on those three networks, your voice is invisible. Now there's, it's impossible to silence any voice, and not only that, it's impossible to censor a book. It used to be someone had to handwrite a book, you burn the book, the book's been destroyed, like the Library of Alexandria. Now if you want to censor a book, you can't. It's on the internet, and people can't keep it quiet. Yes, but that's because the government respects the First Amendment and judges no, tend does. to be good oh about it. Oh my God, you're out of your mind. No, it's because the government doesn't have the technology to actually implement restrictions on the First Amendment. The, the first government does when not the first respect amendment, any freedoms, When ever. the First Amendment makes it to the Supreme Court, the cases tend to err on the side of free speech. Tend my to err? Biggest, that's respecting rights? <laughs> err. Yeah. Almost always. How's that? No. What about uh, uh, things like the obscenity laws? Yeah, if it makes it to court, it, they, they tend not to prosecute. What, what's the his name just went, I can went to jail, like that, that uh, uh, porn star uh, with... with uh, all, there's all sorts of restrictions on yeah, speech. Yeah, well, there's also the Muhammad video. And this is video, recent. You have the Comstock You're not laws. listening to me, for fuck's sakes. You have a dick in your head. The so. Supreme Court tends to uphold the First Amendment. It's one of the best things about the government today. I hate the government, don't get me wrong. My fear is the people. It doesn't make it to the Supreme Court because the people either censor themselves or oppress their fellow man. They're basically, it's, it, we're getting close to this sort of Soviet mentality of ratting out your neighbor. You're, how is this new? This has been an ask... 2005... 2005 to now, it's been getting worse and worse. People getting fired, people getting shamed, people losing their entire livelihoods for a, a fucking AIDS joke. This, but people used to never be able to get these livelihoods to begin with. This used to be an app. There's so many things that were censorious, you know, back in the day that now aren't. I mean, if you look at Pink Flamingos, right? Go look at Pink Flamingos at the very end. The Matt Dillon movie? No. What? The John Waters movie. Oh, okay. Uh, at the very end, you have Divine, who's a 300-pound drag queen, and Divine asked her political positions and she says kill everyone now advocate cannibalism and condone first degree murder and in 1971 it's like you know everyone's clutching at pearls and now you look at it and it's cartoonish and hilarious and that drag queen became the model for Ursula the Little Mermaid look the taboos change that's my point there yes. are more taboos now and the consequences are more extreme I can list a dozen people in the past three years who have lost their livelihoods for violating PC speech. 12 people losing their jobs over 10 no, years. Fa that's famous cases. This is that we're all over the news. The, the, the cases of the, the woman working at the meatpacking plant getting fired for eating a BLT because it offended a Muslim. There's hundreds of those. Sure. 
but what I'm saying is it used to be entire classes of people are completely locked out of the system. And now you're going to have to pick off one by one. And the fact that we can even discuss this and it can be regarded as this is something that's a problem is also progress. We'll see how long we can discuss this. This, this can get shut but, down. But the technology to shut it down isn't there anymore. And it used to be because of the Internet. The technology is to shut it down is all over the place. Look at me. Look, Gary Oldman was interviewed by Playboy and he said this town is run by Jews and they, they you can't even say that or you'll be forced to take it back and then three days later he was forced to take it back well ben's uh, and he and he and he's out of work and he's never done movies since he begged for an apology but okay. it could have been the end of mel, mel gibson's but, career is done but well i i mean mel, that's not true actually didn't mel gibson just have a movie i i thought he, he had got, he was a, an insane uh, beaver puppet yeah well he had a movie the point anyway the, <laughs> the the point is this it, it used to be that you know you couldn't apologize and walk it back you'd be completely ruined forever uh, and now you can walk it back and then people look the other way and are happy about it I and ben stein wrote an article ben stein uh yes jews run hollywood and so what right well he's a jew he can say that yeah but I think what we're saying Someone's is not necessarily it. mutually exclusive. Sure. Your, your graph is just bigger. You're going back to, you know, 1900 to now. And yes, you'll definitely see, it's like the stock market. You'll definitely see qu the quality of life and freedoms going up. My graph is much smaller. I'm like one of these global warming alarmists. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You're like Al Gore here, but like hockey that, stick. That's the world I live in. I mean, I'm writing a book about it right now, and I'm just focusing on late 90s to now. And within this smaller hockey stick... Around 2005, the oppression just sort of went... That's crazy. The in, freedoms went... Whoa. In this time period is when 4chan was created. You can't even... Yeah, but that's irrelevant. Look at Brendan Irrelevant? Ike. He donates money to a gay marriage company and he loses his job. Okay. That's oppression. That's... It, Sarah oppression. Silverman in 2001, she said, I love chinks. She was asked to apologize. She laughed and said, don't Jews run the media? She was asked to apologize. She appeared on a show with a guy, a Chinese... Well, I think he was Japanese, but she treated him like he was Chinese. And she... When he demanded an apology, she said, uh, this guy uh, is Chinese. He played a joke. And during the commercial break, he went pee-pee in my Coke. Uh, if you were... Everyone laughed out of that. Now, cut to her ex-boyfriend, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. a couple years ago... A little kid says, let's call Chinese people. He's forced to apologize many times. You're out of your mind. The Chinese government demands an apology from the White House. Yeah. And it never ended. Wait a minute. If you're equating these little microaggressions with oppression, <laughs> because if you make some... When you're a kid in kindergarten and you do something wrong, the teacher forces you to apologize. If you're going to say that that's oppression, you're crazy. I'm just going to put that out I'm there. I'm crazy. Yeah. Look at what happened on the weekend when I, I just explained the wage gap. And everyone had a fucking meltdown. W women in my was... building are staring at me like I'm a child molester. Oh my god, it's oppression. That's my you're literally describing the classic microaggression when people stare at you in the street and it makes you uncomfortable okay. and doubt your being. How about a two you million... are the textbook about, black radical? You want to hear a macroaggression? How about my two million dollar ad agency that I just sold? Thank God. <laughs> Getting shut down because I offended a few people on Twitter. That was like dozens of jobs. I had a, a TV show with Discovery UK. We had already shot three of eight episodes. That entire series was canceled. That was hundreds of jobs. I can't speak. I don't know the circumstances there. And I'm not saying that that's defensible. It's pretty but I'm macro, saying it, motherfucker. I, I, if N equals one, it's not macro. It's you. It could be you're an outlier or it could be the norm. And I don't think it's the norm because I think we have... The fact that I'm sitting here... It's the shows, norm because we live in a culture of fear where every no one Every culture talks. is a culture of you fear. Know, when a 
black woman is in an, an office space today. She walks in. She's a pariah. We have turned her into the elephant man because no one wants to cross her. No one wants to make her mad. No one wants to say the wrong thing. And it sucks for her, too, because she's like, this shit turned me into the elephant man. I just want to hang out. When wasn't it a culture of fear in your mind? In the 50s? In the 60s? In the 70s? Uh, 2000 to 2005 was the when, least... After 9-11, it was not a culture of fear. You're literally saying this. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying political correctness took a timeout from 2000 to 2005, and it may have been because I was in control of Vice's editorial content. That might be a little bit too much hubris, but... Uh, That's the title of my biography, you know. I'm just too much hubris? Ego and hubris. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket of that theory, but I know from researching it that late 90s were bad, 2000 2005. I mean, David Tell says, says stand-up is done. Stand-up comedy is over. I'm going down Stossel in... A few minutes to talk about, oh shit, in five minutes to talk about that. Um, Chris Rock won't do college campuses anymore. So stand-up's done. It's impossible to watch stand-up concerts. No, it's coming back, I think, because the young kids are getting mad. But it took a hit. The industry took uh -oh, a hit. Oh, that's oppression. The industry takes a hit. That's well, oppression. Well, it's all relative. Look. What industries don't take hits all the time? All industries are cyclical. The music industry never took a hit. I'm not defending these people. I'm it saying sounds you're, like you're, well, you're saying it's no big deal. I'm saying it's inevitable that you're going to have some stupid group of people who want others to be controlled. And the issue is, do we, how do you navigate around them? And this is an inevitable aspect of any society. Well, I am one of the few people who is fighting that stupid group. And a lot of people are just too scared because they sabotage your life. Yes. I mean, Anthony Camilla... He picked himself up by his bootstraps, but they drove him from his fancy job in the Sirius building to his basement. Listen, I'm... That's not a microaggression. Uh, I agree with you. But my point is, it used to be that he would be murdered. It used to be he wouldn't be able to pick him up self okay, by his but bootstraps. but that's not great, Mike, when you've got to go back to the Salem witch trials. I'm not to, talking about Salem witch I'm talking about the 70s. Freedom. I'm talking about the but 80s. He'd be murdered in the 70s and the 80s? No, but in the 80s and the 70s, he wouldn't be able to restart his career. He'd be done, right? And now he's actually, there's other outlets for him to, to you know move forward the guy who got fired That's an interesting he, point the guy who just got fired that that college professor i forgot his name and now he's partnering with tucker max you know they have a website and they're working on a book together and they had like a seven-figure advance so it's not always as obvious as if someone's like you know what you're sounding like it's like <laughs> this is what you're sounding like it's like these feminist argument that once a woman is sexually assaulted her life's ruined uh and it's a horrible trauma and it's terrible and there's no defense for it and it's despicable but a lot of times yes that person can move on and of other course they can move on but the punishment doesn't fit the crime that woman who of course did, it doesn't fit the crime the tweet about i'm going to africa i hope i don't get aids just kidding i'm white she, her family hated her she was unemployed for a year she's still barely picking up the pieces years later and the woman who shamed uh dongle gate that adria richards she's still out of a job and she's the shamer yeah so see it works both ways occasionally it works both ways but the, my point i shouldn't have brought up adria richards because it damages my point exactly <laughs> but the my point is that these i've been to north korea the idea that you're going to tell me that it's bad and censure well here it's is pretty not bad if you got to bring in north korea and years and years and centuries ago context? to make us look good no i've given you context and if you look at all the rest of the world i mean it's so so uh, you're, look you're canadian you're saying i can go to canada and say whatever i want and people no, aren't gonna give me the side it's eye brutal in canada yeah. i'm glad you brought that up the canadian human rights commission will fine hate you facts. hundreds of thousands hate of dollars facts. for hate facts it's in their code yes in their doctrine it says the truth is no excuse yeah. and even like schindler's list is a hate movie because it makes Germans look bad. No, you can't play Schindler's List in Canada. It it 
it, no one's prosecuted it, but by their code, you could prosecute uh, someone showing Schindler's List but the, for being anti-German. But that's the whole point. All these codes are arbitrary completely and just functions of people trying to implement power over others. Right, but when the people don't knock this down... But the people have never knocked down anything. They have no capacity for thought or action. It's only a function of who the leaders are and who are going to be moving Okay, culture. well, the leaders should be... Like, Ezra Levant has single-handedly changed that one thing I was talking about, the hate facts, he pulled it out of a few provinces' codes. It's still in the federal code. Okay. Is that the only hope we have, is these Ezra Levants, these N guys, these no. warriors, these heroes like me? The only... Am I the only hope for civilization? You're a big hope, but the only hope is technology. Uh, and the more technology... Interesting. For free speech, the, uh, specifically. The more technology allows venues for people to say what they want, 4chan, podcasts, the internet, the harder it is. You, you can, the reason why these feminists and these PC people are so loud is because they're frustrated. They didn't used to have to say anything. They would sign a piece of paper and that person shut up in perpetuity. And now they don't have that power other than these mob attacks to pick off one at a time. But the ideas are still out there in the culture and they're freaking the hell out. They're not controlling the conversation anymore and they're hysterical about it. Wow. Well, that was some very optimistic words for Michael Malice. I'm not sure I agree. Uh, I'm a more of a global warming lunatic who likes to focus on the past seven years. And the past <laughs> only, seven years... And only. Yeah, 2000... <laughs> only the past seven years. I'll go to 2000... I'll go back to 2005 when, when Steven Pinker... What was it? No, no, Larry Summers was fired from Harvard for asking if maybe women don't have a natural predilection for STEM. He asked that question. So you're shocked no Harvard's acting irrationally? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was shut. That's when it started getting bad. This this latest wave. It, right, it comes in waves. Absolutely. Pamela Geller. I think it'll end. The fact that Louis C.K. isn't being pilloried for what he said yeah. about being racist and defending, not defending, but saying child molesting must feel really good on live TV is a good sign. And when I meet the young comics here at Stand Up, like Dave Smith, I'm inspired because I think these guys have realized that if we let this continue, we're out of a job. So they're pushing it. Listen, if I can go on Fox and talk about being an anarchist, and, and that couldn't have happened 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, if more people watched Fox on the left, they'd realize how open-minded it is. I constantly push anarchist values on that sh network. Anyway, that's another time. I have to go to Stossel and, and talk about the war on comedy because fear pays the bills, and it's true. Uh, but I will mention today that comedy did have sort of a death in the late 90s, yeah. and it came back strong. And now it's suffering again, and it'll come back strong. Yeah. So will free speech. Yes. Michael Malice, thank you for coming. People at home, thank you for looking at us. <laughs> and people just have the audio one, thank you for not looking at us. <laughs>